The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Well, today I want to talk about Jacob, who's one of the main people in the Old Testament. And let me tell you, the guy was a mess. I'm wondering if anyone can relate. Here's what is going on in his life. Jacob is Abraham and Sarah's grandson, and he was even wrestling in the womb. He had a twin brother named Esau, and Rebecca used to wish she could die. It was so painful having those twins wrestling together in her womb. When they were born, Esau was born first, and he was red and hairy when he came out. But he was first, and that was important. But Jacob was right behind him, and he came out grabbing Esau's heel. That's how he got his name. Jacob means heel grabber or supplanter. As in, even from his birth, he was trying to supplant his brother's birthright. His name also means trickster. And he was a total trickster. Fast forward to dad Isaac being blind and very old, and on his deathbed, he wanted to give his favorite son Esau his blessing. So Esau headed out to the field to shoot something and make stew, and meanwhile, Rebecca had overheard. So she made some stew and then had Jacob dress up in animal furs and go to his dad. Esau meant furry and red. Isaac said, your voice sounds like Jacob, But when the trickster held out his furry arm, Isaac said, but you feel like Esau. So Jacob stole his brother's blessing. And when Esau came in and found out, he was devastated and vowed to kill his brother. Well, that sent Jacob on the run to his uncle Laban, where he first set eyes on the love of his life, Rachel. Laban made him work seven years to earn his daughter's hand in marriage only to have in their bridal chamber he lifted her veil and found himself actually married to her older and uglier sister Leah. The trickster was tricked. So he worked seven more years and married Rachel as well. As we get to today's wrestling match, it's been 20 years since Jacob had seen Esau. He's now running away from his father-in-law Laban. Guess why? Because he tricked him. 
Laban had said when he left to go back to his homeland, he could take some of his livestock. He figured he'd earned it. So Jacob used an elaborate scheme to trick him into giving him the very best and most active breeders of the flock. So after Jacob fleeced Laban, he is now on the run. Jacob is a mess. He's running from Laban, and now he's going to have to face his brother Esau, and he's reached the river that's the boundary between their two lands, the river Jabbok. Something needs to happen. Beth Moore, a writer, says God is about to mess with his mess. Now, the writers of the Bible have so much fun with the language here. Just before today's reading, there's this amazing narrative art in Hebrew. After leaving Laban, Jacob comes to the land of Seir in the country of Edom. Now, the word Seir is very close to the word Sire, which means hairy, and that's what Esau means. And the word for Edom is the same word that was used when Esau was described as, the ma- as a man of the field. So Jacob, knowing he has to finally face the brother he tricked, comes to the land of Harry in the country of the man of the field. It's everywhere. Jacob might be able to run, but he can't hide. And this isn't accidental. Jacob's reminded at every corner that it's time to face up to what you did. God is going to make Jacob be honest about who he is. I wonder if any of us have had a time happen where we feel like we can't keep pretending anymore. It's pretty easy to pretend in our culture to put whatever image of ourselves we might want out there into the media world and no one might be able to know how things are really going in our lives. Maybe no one would know from what you are posting that your family's actually falling apart or that your marriage is in shambles or that you are battling depression. But you don't say anything, you put a happy face out there and God doesn't want this for us. And I think if we keep being frauds, we can't be who God made us to be. Something's got to give. So Jacob is distressed. And that word for distressed means to bind or tied up. It's that sense when all you can do is just curl up in a ball on the floor. But in other places in the Bible, the word has a positive sense of being totally wrapped in God's heart. So there's irony here. It's ironic because the more tightly we are feel we are in God's love, the looser we start to feel around other people. Well, Jacob, all tied up in knots, starts to pray. After coming to the land of Harry, he actually has one of his better moments. He tells God he's not worthy, and please deliver me from the hand of my brother. The thing is, after he prays that prayer, Beth Moore notes that he doesn't really trust God yet. He thinks he needs to kind of work Esau to get what he wants. I wonder if we ever do that. We go around grabbing someone else's heel to get ahead or make ourselves feel better. How we often ask first, well, what's in this for me? What can I do to make this better for me? Jacob has just 
bared his soul to God, and then he starts thinking about, how I'm, can I work this situation with Esau? So he divides his wives and his animals and his children into two camps. He makes this plan of how he'll first send 200 goats, then camels and donkeys, and on and on, and he'll put a space between each group, and maybe Esau will be appeased then. But really, he's just grabbing at his heel still. He doesn't want to face him. Jacob says right before our reading, after I appease him with all these presents, perhaps I'll see his face and he'll accept me. See how he's working them, thinking, I got it, Jacob is the one who has to figure this out. Again, there's fun in Hebrew. There are five versions of the word face. Remember how he's balled up and tied up in knots? Well, Jacob needs to face something. But remember that word can also mean being tightly held by God. And I wonder if God is saying, Jacob, if you face Esau by facing me first, I will take you right through this. And that's where we get to the wrestling match. Jacob wrestling at the Jabbok. All the words in Hebrew are so similar. Jacob is Yaakov. Wrestles is Avok. Jabbok is Yabok. Yaakov avoking at the Jabok. It's almost like Jacob was born for this place. This mess of a man has been wrestling his whole life from the womb, and now this is it. God isn't going to let Jacob get away with going straight to his brother. Jacob sends everyone ahead. It's night. He's between a rock and a hard place. Laban's land on one side, about to meet his brother Esau, who the last time he saw him wanted to kill him. But you know what? That's where God always meets us, between our rocks and our hard places. And there, when Jacob is all alone, and it's the middle of the night, a man comes and they start to wrestle, avok. You know, that word avok is only used here in the Old Testament. And you know what it means? It means to get dusty. There's dust flying everywhere. Remember of another time that God got down in the dust with us? Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Do you suppose Jacob is getting created anew? I love how we start dusty and God is so willing to come into the dust with us when we need God. God created us and said it's not good for us to be alone and he didn't just say, well, you've got each other. He knows how hard it is to get along with each other. So God wants us to know that when we wrestle with each other, we're also wrestling with God. Even the Hebrew word for wrestle has El, the name of God in it. This is amazing. This promise that from the beginning, God is right in the mess of our lives with us. That God doesn't leave us alone. That he calls us to wrestle with him. And I think that's what prayer is. Talk to me about it. Yell at me. Give it to me. I want to help you through this. Let me mess with your mess. Think of that widow pounding on the door of the judge's house at the wee hours of the morning, night after night after night. 
Jesus says, this is a story for you about your need to pray always and not lose heart. And it's a wrestling story. In fact, when the judge finally relents and gives her what she wants, the reason he gives in, it says in the Greek, is that she won't give him a black eye by continually pounding on his door. We heard it translated as, so she won't wear me out. But most commentators say, it means give me a black eye. Maybe Jesus was being funny about this little widow. Maybe he was using an idiom about the judge not wanting to look bad for not looking out for her. I think it might be a wrestling word. Now that story of Jacob wrestling is kind of ambiguous. A man wrestles with him. It says, when daybreak comes, the man sees he did not prevail against Jacob. And I love that word, prevail. Have you ever wrestled with one of your kids and they won't ever give up? And you're exhausted and they just want to keep wrestling and finally you just say, all right, you win. That's what that word means. I will not let you go until you bless me, Jacob says. He's been wanting to get blessing and take it in his whole life, taking what wasn't not, was not rightly his from his brother, and here he asks for it again. But before he can get it, the man says, what's your name? Jacob, he says. And here come all the things that go with being Jacob. I'm a heel grabber. I'm a trickster, I'm a supplanter, you name it, Jacob has done it. He has completely lived up to his name. But God recreates him from the dust. Now, Jacob, you will be called Israel because you have wrestled with God and with humans and you have prevailed. Israel, you have struggled with God and hung in there. Jacob's been in a wrestling match for 20 years and finally fights the best fight he's ever fought. Jacob, the father of 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, the father of a whole nation of people who throughout history have struggled with God and hung in there. The widow is part of that long line. Jacob, who will now limp forever with a bad hip, who's been hiding behind his mom, his wives, whoever he could find, now limping, Jacob's finally going to face his brother. Because he faced God, now he can face Esau. Then it's time to get out the Kleenex if this were a movie. Because Jacob looks up and he sees Esau. He goes limping forward, bad hip and all, and bows down onto the ground seven times. But you know what Esau does? He runs up and embraces his brother. The word for embrace is habak. Remember the word for wrestle? Avak? All the family comes forward. Jacob brings them forward to meet Esau. And Esau looks at them and says, what is this? And it is such a tender word. It's like if you meet someone and they have a two-year-old clinging to their legs and you bend down and say, and who is this? What is all this blessing? It's so incredible, this scene, that God has to have done this. The last time these brothers saw each other, there was so much hate. Jacob was preparing for war and God gave him peace. 
all through his preparations, he's lining up the animals. And the word that's used is the word for presence, like wrapping something with a bow. But here the word changes to blessing. Remember now, that word blessing had been a bad word between these brothers. But Jacob says to his brother, here, if I've found favor with you, then accept my blessing from my hand. Instead of grabbing at his heel, Jacob finally holds out his hand. And what does he give him? The blessing back. Jacob finally gets what it means to be blessed. When you're blessed, you can't help but give it away. Here, Esau, take it. I've wrestled with God and hung in there. I don't need to keep clinging to this blessing. You take it. It gives me the chills. If you read the rest of Jacob's story, he keeps on being Jacob. He's never not a mess. And that kind of gives me the chills too. Because God uses us tricksters and heel grabbers all and blesses us so we can be blessings to the world. I think both of these stories, the widow and Jacob, are stories about prayer. And prayer often feels like wrestling with God, doesn't it? Those nights you wake up just drenched in worry and all you can do is get on your knees and pray. But when you do pray, you learn God is with you in the mess of life no matter what. And you know, I find that the more I pray, the more it seems to be, or the less actually it seems to be about the result. <laughs> it becomes more about just being with God learning to trust God. Because however your prayers are answered, or if it seems like they're not, God is still there recreating you. So you can let go of your worry, your blessing, your results, and trust God. I remember reading years ago in a parenting book that the reason it's so good to wrestle with your kids when they're little is so that they learn to trust you. That's why wolf packs wrestle with their little cubs. So the little ones learn to trust their leader. It's built into us. Widows, Jacobs, these are your stories. Keep struggling with God and hanging in there. As Jesus says, don't lose heart. Keep praying. And know that no matter what you bring to your prayers or this place, God loves to mess with our messes and make us new, to bless us so that we can be blessings in the world. Amen.